Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. And welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Uh, it's, it's another day in Selling from the Heart paradise. So how's that, Daryl? <laughs> this is paradise? Of course it's paradise. Well, it's, par- it's paradise in Southern California because the weather is always nice. Oh, well, just stop. I, I don't want to hear that. You definitely, not from me in the South and from our guest in the Northeast. We don't want to hear anything about this uh, California weather. Uh, welcome back to the Song from the Heart podcast. You, If you're new here, you have joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, doing the hard work. We call it Selling from the Heart. And uh, thanks everyone for all the feedback on our, our conversation last week uh, with our good friend, uh, the marketing expert, if you didn't catch that, <laughs> I definitely go back. Uh, you're definitely going to love uh, love what Tim Hughes had to say. And it's been fun uh, chatting with everybody about that. But oh my goodness, Larry, I just we got to dive in because this week's guest is so exciting. And uh, I can't wait to have this conversation. So let me pass it over to you to uh, introduce our guest and let's dive in. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And it, it, it's if it really feels good when you know that social works and, and you know, social's played a big part of my career and, it, and it's, and it's a, I've met some of the coolest people and I met Marnie through a really good buddy of mine, Scott McGregor, because I had the privilege of writing a chapter in his book, Standing O, which all the proceeds are going to Marnie's foundation, as well as, as another gentleman's foundation, uh, Elevate New York. And boy, we have so much in common. Plus I'm a big sports junkie, so I can talk sports with Marnie all day long, but without further ado, I want to welcome Marnie Schneider and she's the head of the foundation. Keep on playing. So welcome to selling from the heart, Marnie. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. And definitely, you know, I certainly can speak sports. I think it's the most (laughs) universal. I mean, it goes along with selling too, by the way, if you can speak sports, you can probably sell pretty much anything. So I think sports is the universal language. Well, that, that, that is true. Yeah, yeah well, definitely. Uh, well, we're going to get into that. But, you know, the question we ask all of our, our guests, and, and I don't want to miss this because I know you've got a lot of value to add on this, is, you know, simply what does it mean to you to sell from the heart? Well, I think for me, selling from the heart is being as I grew up in, in Philadelphia in the school that I went to, we had a school motto which was, or which is S-A, which E-S-E, Quam, Q-U-A-M, Videri, V-I-D-E-R-I. And the translation of that means to be rather than to seem to be. And Mm. so I think that selling and like being anything is about being as authentic as you can. And, you know, my school motto, which actually is the state motto of North Carolina, ironically, uh, I didn't move here because of that, although maybe subconsciously I did. You know, I think that when you're authentic and you're a real person, people pick up on it. And that to me is is selling, you know, whatever it's being yourself. And when you're trying to sell anything and the first thing you're going to do is be selling yourself, whether someone's going to want to respond to it or not. I think that those are the most genuine things to 
to do is to just be as real. And it sounds so cliche to be authentic, but I really believe if you can try to follow your own, you know, rules as, as a, being a good person and being a nice person and, and uh, giving back to the community, I think that those are things that really add value to you as a person and then in whatever you're doing to sell. Well, you, you, and you know, what's interesting. Cause I mean, I love when I start hearing the words genuine and authentic and being real and all that. It just speaks to me, but you know, people can sense it, but on the polar opposite side, people can sense when you're not genuine, you're not authentic. So it's like, why even bother? Just be who you are. And and, and that's what I appreciate as I've gotten to know you is, boy, you're, you're about as down to earth and as real as anybody I know. Well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I grew up in a really unusual situation. My grandfather owned a professional football team and my mom was a single working mom and worked for my grandfather. And I'm an only child. I thought we were poor because my mother, we would shop at Lomas. Like, I mean, I didn't know the difference. And so I think that like, there were just certain things that like my mom and my grandfather really tried to make me be as, as quote normal as possible. And I'm so grateful for that because I didn't grow up thinking that like I was some entitled, pampered, privileged princess, although all little girls are princesses at, you know, I didn't, I, I certainly feel like to me, if anything, I would be the, you know, people's princess more than anything, which I definitely, hopefully I, I believe that I put my money where my mouth is and that's, that's why I love, you know, being able to run a foundation and kind of be boots on the ground and get, you know, involved with children and communities that are not as fortunate to have the opportunity and the exposure that I had to learn to love sports, speak sports, go to sporting events and really make it part of, of their you know, daily routine. Yeah, you know, I think it's so easy, uh, especially for our sales professionals that are are listening and and you know there we we have tons of friends in the sales profession that have been extremely successful and done really well and I think that at some point some sometimes it's easy to start believing your own press and kind of lose that down to earth um, it, you just lose it I mean it it is a danger in this profession and when you lose that you're in trouble I love the story you were sharing about your grandfather. Um, literally working the phones with the season ticket holders. Uh, like talk about down to earth in terms of somebody that was ultra successful at the peak of their career, but willing to, you know, literally pick up the phone and, and do the, do the hard work and, and not, you know, buy and buying, buying into our own press is so dangerous, isn't it? Well, it definitely is. So my grandfather and my mom were, you know, were definitely people that they, they wanted, they were, they're from a hardworking family. This wasn't, you know, yes, owning a football team and being the, the GM and the legal counsel, those are kind of, you know, fancy positions. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, you've got to roll up your sleeves and put in the hard work, the grit resolve to be resolute, to be the leader. And if you're not going to do that as a leader, so yeah, I know I was saying that a couple of things always come to mind about my family and some of the things that I learned from them. First of all, my mother was a stickler for photocopying. She would do her own photocopying. I mean, and that was ridiculous. And she was like, oh, well, I need to do the photocopying because I need to make sure that whatever we're sending out is, you know, and it's a little different now with emails and so forth. But, you know, she would stand there at the copier 
copying their own playbooks or their own stuff or their own legal documents, their own contracts, just to make sure that everything was right. And that's something that a lot of executives might not even think about doing. And when I first started working at William Morris, I remember that, you know, I would get, I'd have to go work in the copy room at night to copy scripts. And then I would um, have to make sure that I would go through every page of the script because if an actor or director or producer got a script and there was a page missing, that would be very frustrating to them. And potentially um, I could lose my job if that happened. So, you know, it's really about, you know, having no ego to think, okay, well, this, there's nothing, there's nothing too important that I can't do. And my grandfather, you know, was definitely like that when, there was a strike in 1983 and they were having a hard time getting people to, you know, re-up for their season tickets. They, you know, went into the office and took out the list of season ticket holders and would call them up. And my grandfather, we sat in his office and I remember, you know, sitting in there with him and he would ask the people, the customers, well, are, do they want to buy tickets again? Well, what would make them buy the tickets again? Would free beer, <laughs> which my mother told him to stop offering because she was like, that's why they put a jail at the at the vet because of some of those decisions that he did. It's true. They have a magistrate there, Seamus O'Connor. They had to put a, a jail in at at the at the veteran stadium because the fans got a little unruly. And um, you know, my grandfather was probably partially to blame for that because he was offering free beer, which he did do many times in the seven hundred level, go up there and you know get everybody, you know thinking about how even if we lost it still wouldn't be that terrible because I got some free gear out of it (laughs) it's fine yeah it's okay just get on SEPTA and be just get home safely I got the beer uh so I think it was really about you know just doing whatever you have to do my grandfather would always say like he would end every conversation every meeting that you know potentially was a business meeting or anything it's like okay, what do we need to do to get it done? And then basically, then you have, then it's up to you to listen to actually execute on that. And that's it. Because if somebody says, well, here's what you need to do to get it done. And you don't do that, then you're, you know, kind of just irrelevant and not adding value to your team or on the other side to the, you know, the people that you've just wasted their time meeting with. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because there's a, I mean, I could talk sports stories all day long, but what, you know, was, what's interesting as I listen to that, Marnie, is leaders who lead by example. And, you know, let's trickle this down to, to sales teams is I think sometimes there's such a disconnect that leaders are asking, right? We can call them sales leaders, sales managers, VP of sales executives. They're asking their salespeople to do things that sometimes they may not be willing to do themselves. And that's what I, that's what, you know, I, I applaud, you know, hearing that story about your grandfather that he actually worked the phones and was leading by example, because, you know, today is, I I think that's why there's such a disconnect is how many leaders are actually doing the things they're asking of their salespeople to do. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think that in general, I mean, even just as a, you know, as a human being, it's like how many people are doing things that they want other people to do, you know, but they're not, you know, necessarily doing it themselves. And so I definitely think that when it comes to sales or coming to being, you know, a good person, you know, if you are willing to do the things that you ask of others, then, you know, the outcome might be pretty good. And I always find this is so interesting. I get asked a lot of times, hey, will you help so-and-so? And I always say yes. And here's why. It's because you know why? Because that ends up helping me so much more. I can give you 
20 examples of like, okay, so-and-so is going to call you because their uncle needs a job or whatever it is. And I might not be able to get them a job, but I can introduce them to great people like Scott McGregor. And then mm-hmm. Scott's like, oh, that guy was great. And then uh, my, you know, my stock value, my street cred goes way up because I've now done something that just kind of because I wanted to, it always ends up helping me for sure. Like, so, it, you know, obviously there's always boundaries and whatever else, but in general, you know, when people ask me, Oh, can you get me Eagles tickets? I'm like, yeah, go online. They have tons of them <laughs> on StubHub. So, however, you know, I mean, cause that's like a silly question. You know, you can, people can do that. But when it comes to like, Oh, whatever, something really of adding value, trying to help a family out with, you know, somebody who needs a new job or is relocating and they need to make new friends or can you do this? I'm like, sure. I'd love to, let me, let me figure out how I could do it and then we'll do it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's so good. You know, one of the things that's, is just so exciting is the, the foundation and the nonprofit work that you've done. I know a huge, huge topic on the Selling from the Heart podcast and, and something that's near and dear to the heart of, of Larry, myself, and many of our listeners is, is getting engaged in the community and making a difference. And, um, you know, I'd like to talk with you about that for, for a few minutes here as we, as we round out this podcast. But before we do, Tell us a little bit about the foundation and, and what you do. Well, for, thank you. I love to talk about this stuff <laughs> as well. You know, for me, I, like I said, I had this incredible opportunity. My grandfather owned the Philadelphia Eagles. At the time, the Eagles shared the stadium with the Philadelphia Phillies. So because I'm the daughter of a single working mother, I would often be at my mother's job, bored out of my mind, usually. But because... You know, I'm hungry too, by the way. So the Phillies were very nice to me and they would invite me in and, you know, give me a ticket in the middle of June or July when there's no football going on. They would, you know, give me a hot dog and I would, and I learned to watch, you know, baseball and learn to really enjoy it. And I had this opportunity to, to kind of figure out certain things and just even just being by myself and the game of baseball can be, you know, it has its own fluid, you know, lifeline to it. So I thought, well, you know, this is with minor league baseball and the tickets. I love going to live sporting events. If I can, you know, connect with some of these minor league teams who are, you know, definitely trying to get new fans and get community members involved and bring kids from the boys and girls club, from the police athletic league or police activities league, depending on, you know, from the YMCA and bring them, to the game and then also have them have an experience of having a fun night out, which a lot of times these kids in these communities don't get, they don't get fun. They really don't, but now they're at a game and they're experiencing it. They're with their friends. They're getting a hot dog. They're getting peanuts and, and the whole parade of what's going on and incredible world-class talent, by the way, because minor league baseball is, you know, a great commodity and the talent is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then follow it up with clinics at their own at their own facility because if they do baseball at the baseball field at the fancy it's a novelty and it's not going to be the same but if they do it and learn to play catch which is a huge developmental thing like playing catch is great I've been to you know some very high level seminars and I've spoken at some pretty high level things and the first thing that I do when I have a pretty stiff crowd is I'm like okay let's play catch because what it does is it really disarms everybody because even the best people are going to occasionally drop the ball and that's okay. (laughs) But it really encourages you to make eye contact, to talk, to like loosen up a little bit, have fun. It gets everybody moving. And you realize that when you're playing catch, everybody's on the same playing field. So 
that's one of the things I love about, you know, baseball is that you can get a glove and a ball or you don't even need a glove. You just get a, you know, even just, you know, rolling up into a, something that resembles a baseball. So mm-hmm. keep on playing kind of started like that. We took kids to the games, got the local, you know, community involved, had some of the minor league players who want to really work in the community and understand what it means to give back show up at the rec centers with me and do some clinics with the kids. And now it's really turning into something where we can actually see a difference in the community where they're enjoying going to the games. Even if I'm not there kind of hosting and getting everybody there, they will call me and they'll say, Oh, can you know, we'll go. And the teams are usually very good. It's on Tuesday nights in Fort Myers, for example, two for one hot dog night. And, you know, where else can you go and take a family out and do all those things where you get live entertainment and being in nature and seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, great athletes, you know, really working hard. So that's kind of, I get very excited when I speak about it because I just love the opportunity to work with these kids to show them, you know, what else is out there. And then, you know, they might even want to play it. I mean, we're kind of beach entry baseball, but Mm -hmm. when they start to develop an interest into it, then we can help them get into a little bit more of an intensive program, which we've done. Wow. You know what's interesting and community service, Marnie, is just like absolutely near and dear to my heart. And and I even wrote, you know, a chapter in Selling from the Hearts all dedicated to why I think salespeople need to get involved in community service because it's the whole art of giving back. Because I always say, you know, in order to get one must be able to give. And I think the best the best way that salespeople can really dive in and understand what it truly means to lend a helping hand to their clients is lend a helping hand out in your community and watch what starts to happen. And it's not only watch what starts to happen is watch the people that you start running into that share that same philosophy you do mm-hmm. and amazing things happen. And, you know, it, it's just unfortunate because not a lot of it, it, obviously it's just not a lot of salespeople in general think about, well, what can I do to give back and giving back to your community is the best place to start. It's, it really is. It's the only thing that keeps you calibrated. Like I, you know, like I, you know, part of like, like, you know, we were talking about this earlier is like my grandfather and my mom too. And my mom had this, you know, incredible, you know, experience as a woman, you know, my grandfather was very ahead of his time as a man, you know, in the eighties put a woman, yes, it was his daughter, but by the way, that's actually almost like a, like that made it even harder to do, but you know, yes, he put a woman in charge of the legal part of the team and to be PM. And, and so it's like and learning all about, you know, giving back, how much can you give back? The more you give back in anything that you're doing, it's, I really believe you really do get so much more when you give back. And yes, as a salesperson, if you're going to be involved in that community, there's an expectation also, I believe, that you are going to have to roll up your sleeves and volunteer and go learn about what's going on in the community. And, you know, my grandfather would always say, maybe this is what, wait, Larry, this might be it. Information is currency. And, you know, he would always say that to me. Information is currency. And that's why, you know, he would always be up very early in the morning reading all the newspapers, whether they were the Philadelphia papers or the New York papers or the Boston, whatever he could get his hands on, he'd be reading because the more he knew, you know, obviously that was a, a form of currency to, you know, to then translate that into dollars. So if you now know what's going on. He read an article. I'll give you an example. He was a businessman in the community. Yes, he owned the team. He read an article in the Philadelphia Inquirer, maybe 1983-84, where a policeman was shot on duty and killed. And that really bugged him. 
So because he read that article and, you know, it might not have even been on TV, who knows, he then, you know, called up the police commissioner and said, you know what, I don't like that. I'm going to, as a member of the community, buy bulletproof vests for everybody on the squad. And there were maybe 800 policemen and women on the police force at the time. So he purchased, he's like, I don't want anybody dying on the job like that. I don't like that. So as a member of the community, yeah, I mean, maybe it helped him. Who knows? He didn't think about that. He was not thinking about like, oh, well, if I get, he didn't drive. It wasn't like he was going to get a speeding ticket anyway, a driver. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, so that those are things that like he saw that in the paper. It might have even been just a little tiny report and it bugged him. And he wanted to give back to the community where he was a business owner. And he did. And, it, you know, it was something very meaningful because obviously those are things that uh, not everybody can, not every city can purchase or not every community can have, but it did, you know, make the policemen in the community, you know, feel safer. And it also probably maybe even added more f- members to the force because they were like, well, I want to go be a Philly policeman because they got bulletproof that. Yeah. And I, you know, and one of the cool things about sales professionals, sales professionals are, are, we're creative. I mean, we, we are problem solvers by nature of every aspect of, of our role. And, and I think sales professionals can add tremendous value in their community by getting involved in nonprofits. And I love that story about just seeing, seeing a problem and going, what could I do to, to, to affect, uh, affect change and, and all of that. It, it keeps you grounded and that is so helpful uh, for sales pros to stay, stay grounded. Yeah, it is. I mean, otherwise, I mean, in life, it's like, you know, rolling up your sleeves and getting involved and getting invested. You know, if you're not like it's economics, if you're not invested, you can't collect. End of story, period, mm-hmm. end of subject. You can't. If you're not invested in the stock market, you're not going to be like, oh, Apple went up 10 points. Well, Oh, great. That's good news. But I don't own the Apple. So who can, you know, if you're not invested, it doesn't really, it's just someone else's, you know, great for them. Sure. Whatever. But in life, if you're not invested, you can't collect, you oh. know, and that's always kind of like some of the things that I was raised hearing these things. So I'm very fortunate, but even as a parent, you know, if you're not, you know, as a, as a parent, one of the things like I've got school age kids, my oldest is a senior, my youngest is in eighth grade, my daughter's in 10th grade. And, you know, I don't want to miss a second of their childhood because I can't get that back, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, I want to give as much as I can to them. I want to give a bunch of these children that I've now met and kids that I don't even know an opportunity to play, to keep on playing, to learn some of the things that I was privileged enough to learn and to see, and then, you know, give my parents who are amazing, like the world's greatest adulthood, because they deserve that. And Mm -hmm. so those are the things that really matter to me as a human, if I can figure out, and, you know, then have, I have fun doing all those things. Like my fun and my joy is, you know, going, you know, to Friday night football games and, and being involved in, you know, being working at the game or or whatever it is, or driving a bunch of kids there because their parents, are working and they can't do that. So those are just things that matter to me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I picked up on the, I love zingers. I love one line zingers and I picked up a Marnie zinger just now. And <laughs> you did? You said, okay. What was it? I, I, and, and, and I had to relate this to a sales moment. So I, you said in order to be vested, you have to be invested as I think is what you said. And I go, okay, yeah. how many sales professionals out there are vested, right? 
or invested mm-hmm. yep. with invested. their clients, right? Invested. That's right. It, yeah. So yeah. how many how many of, how many sales professionals are invested enough with the customers that they're working with to become and the communities, right? Yeah. And and, and, and well, it's amazing. You know, it, yeah. It, it, that that blows my mind as far as how many salespeople out there don't even know the charities that some of their best customers. Mm, and can you imagine all of a sudden how much more you can strengthen that relationship if you showed that you cared enough to say, you know what? I noticed that these are the top three organizations you support, by the way, Daryl or Marnie. How can I help you mm. with those charities? What can I do to help? Can you imagine what would happen besides their head hitting the back of the wall because you asked? Well, it's, it's, I mean, absolutely. It's, I mean, those are the things that really matter. I would say this, that like, it's just about, you know, my grandfather had a saying, he would always say, civility is not a sign of weakness. And I think that that really is all about sales. Like, you know, being civilized and saying to somebody, okay, look, you know, I want to make this sale because I want to work with you because I think you're actually a good father or a good mother. And I see how you work hard and I want to help your business and definitely I want to help my business too. I'm going to be, you know, perfectly clear, but I think that we can build things together. And if it's not this sale, then let's figure out a way that it's going to be a win-win for everybody. Cause if it's not, then it's a one time only. And like, honestly, you know, a, a strong, like a couple of things, like a strong start and a weak finish. No, thank you. And like a one time only. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Larry, if you don't invest, you can't collect. That. Dude, I love that. That's you know, it. I'm Good. stealing that one, Marnie. Marnie, I got to steal that one. Uh, we're going to be quoting that Take it. all the Take time. It. It's all yours. It's just, I mean, it's always what, like, the thing is with everything, if you're not invested, you can't collect. That's so, right. I mean, those are like, that's, I mean, you have, and sometimes, look, you know, we're all really busy. So sometimes it's hard to actually take a moment and put your phone down or look up or do whatever to, to be actually invested. Mm. But, you know, and, and it's hard. I'm guilty of it too. Like I'm multitasking. I'm a single mom. I'm three kids. I'm on the go. I'm having a business. I'm trying to, you know, do some other things that are adding value to my children, my community, my friends, family, whatever. But the reality is that like, you know, it's, so I miss some things. I do. Like we're all human. Of course I do. However, I really do try to pay attention to the details and be thoughtful because if you're thoughtful, if you take the time to write a thank you note and be thoughtful or take the time, you know, Hey, I didn't, I know we're not going to, you know, work on this project together, but I really do appreciate the time that we spent together. And, and that's really meaningful to me. I, there's, no one's ever going to be like, oh man, he or she's really an a-hole. They wrote me a thank you note. I mean, no, that will never happen. They're never <laughs> going to say that. They're never going to say it. They're just not going to say it. You know, what it maybe will do is remind them that you're human and mm-hmm. that, that, you know, then that's okay. And like, maybe it wasn't the right fit or maybe they're, it didn't, at the timing wasn't right or whatever it is, but it will be, it's always a good thing. Like to write a thank you note or to take the time to actually acknowledge somebody is it really means that, you know, you are more of an evolved person. Wow. I believe. Well, on that note, uh, a huge thank you. Thank you for all, for sharing time with us today. What a, what an amazing gift, Marnie. I, I, I feel so, so inspired and, um, and it's, it's just, and, and also thank you for all that you do with the foundation and, and the way you're pouring back um, into the community is it just, you know, from the bottom of our hearts, uh, thank you for all of that. We really appreciate your 
um, example, your encouragement, your inspiration. Well, thank you guys. You know, it takes like, this is, you know, the thing is that I feel very fortunate that I get to, you know, have conversations with, you know, really great business minds because running a charity is a business too. At the end of the day, Mm -hmm. it does become a business. It can't just be like, Oh, well, it's not, if it was just charity, then that's just time. And sweat equity is a huge thing and a huge commodity, which I definitely appreciate. And Mm -hmm. I put a tremendous amount of my sweat equity into it too. But, you know, finding ways to all collaborate on things that really matter that how can we, you know, make this world a better place because that's what's important to me, you know, is how do we make it, even if I don't live in that community, I work a lot in Fort Myers, I work a lot in Akron, I work in parts of Philadelphia, Carolinas, whatever it is, Alabama, Georgia, I don't even work there, but I'm like, okay, but I know that, that this needs to be done. So I'm going to find a way to do it. So thank you guys for giving me an opportunity to talk about it. No, you're welcome. So welcome. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us this week on Selling from the Heart. Um, as always, we want to challenge everybody with a little bit of homework. And, and our challenge this week is, you know, to ask yourself that question, are you invested? Because if you're not investing, you can't collect. So how could you get invested in, uh, in your community? Maybe it's through Keep On Playing. And we'll definitely share that link in the show notes. But Look around, lift your head up, look around you in your community, in the circle of people uh, that you work with and, and that you live with, and just ask yourself the question, how can I get invested? Um, and this is something that's going to ground you, and it's going to have so many benefits. Um, and Larry, I, I know this is near and dear to your heart. It's near and dear to my heart. And I, I would love, uh, even in the feedback, uh, you know, let's chat it up this week on social about different ways that, that you're invested. We'd love to hear from you um, or different ways you're considering getting invested uh, in, in your community and nonprofits. So thanks for joining us. As always, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep doing the hard work, invest in your community, and most of all, sell from the heart.